Good afternoon, people. We're back. Uh, Balrogs and Blasters, episode two. Uh, we made it through the first through the first one. Uh, I'm your host, Patrick, this week, and with me, as always, is Sam Thomas. How are you, Sam? I'm all right. I didn't know you were going to use my surname. I don't know if I'm okay with that, but we'll uh, we can probably we can probably cut it out. I'm sure it's. I think you'll find that it is written backwards on the screen. Oh, wonderful! Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> if, this I, really, if I can blur it, I'll blur it. This really feeds into my theory that I would just make the worst criminal of any <laughs> Just just leaving your calling card wherever you've robbed. Yeah. Well, this is this is the thing. Like that's what you always heard about camp burglars, wasn't it? That they always left like you know uh, a bag of a bag of gunpowder at the scene of the crime, and they were the gunpowder burglar, and that was you know their calling. About the wet bandits. Oh yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you think, what would be your calling card if you were a burglar? This isn't what we were going to talk about, but I think it's important that we establish it. My calling card would be, I would just, I, I, I'd make everyone's shoes slightly, slightly lower <laughs> on the right-hand side. Just, just cut off a bit of the heel, not say anything, <laughs> and I wouldn't even seal anything. <laughs> it's just it's just me going around breaking in the houses and slightly altering people's shoes. Very disconcerting. That is a that's like that's like a Jim Halpert level of just psychotic torture. Look, look, you got to do what you got to do. Um, I don't. I don't think you need to do that. No, no. So, how have you been this week? Anything any uh, big happening? Anything? I'll tell you. The world of Sam. The biggest thing that happened to me was I went for a very long run yesterday and it was very warm. I ran like 11, 12 miles and I got heat stroke and I came home and I vomited violently. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, yeah, it was, I can only describe it as my <laughs> most profoundly least Christian sickness. <laughs> and then I woke up this morning and thought, oh, I'll get a McDonald's breakfast because that's the best way to, to solve any situation. Um, and then I realized that because I'd thrown up so much, the inside of my throat had basically been scorched. Oh, no. so I started eating and it was just, it was such a painful experience. Like I've never left any of a double sausage and egg McMuffin on the plate before, but I had to actually just have like a real conversation with myself. And think how bad you want this thing. Okay. Well, interesting week. Top <laughs> that. Top that boy. I did absolutely nothing. Oh, good. Absolutely okay. nothing and spent far too long playing Starfield last night until about three o'clock in the morning. So, uh, bit pacey, bit 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 out of sorts today. Okay. Yeah. Well, this seems. This seems like we're both in the perfect condition. Yeah, yeah. To do a really good podcast. For, for, for our <laughs> listeners, uh, Sam texted me this morning saying thank you for the invite for the for the podcast. I read that in a very sarcastic tone, <laughs> <laughs> simply because of the, the the mood I was in this morning. And uh, yeah, it, it was it very was. much like the the Key and Peel sketch where they're trying to organise for to go for drinks. If you haven't seen it yet, yeah. you, should, you should give it a watch. Absolutely, give that thing a YouTube. Yeah. Um, but yes, I did not intend it to be sarcastic. It was more so just to, <laughs> for some reason, I wanted to just make it clear to you that I had gotten the invitation. <laughs> it was the, the easiest way to do it, just say thank you for the invitation. You hitting 
accept on the invitation is enough. Thank you very much. I will get a notification. Like, well, I obviously didn't think to do that, did I? Yeah. But anyway, let's get on with the podcast proper. <laughs> I suppose so. Let's go for it. Uh, as always, we start off with the news. And Sam, you have a few doozies here that you've picked out. Well, I mean, it's been a it's been a busy old week. Uh, I want to I want to kick off because, um, you know, it's been a while since uh, David Ayer has been in been in the news, out chatting, doing interviews, and that kind of thing. And he's always got some great insights uh, when he's not talking about the the Ayer cut of the Suicide Squad movie coming out. But he basically was doing an interview there, and he said that he had the fix for how he would repair the box office run of the latest slate of DC movies, which when he says that, I'm assuming he means uh, Shazam 2 and The Flash and Blue Beetle and Black Adam. I'm, I'm, ta- I'm counting them as like that latest slate. This is his quote that he, uh, that he had. He said, easy solve. I, 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 I can't do his voice, Jill. You just have to pretend. Uh, easy solve. Let filmmakers have their vision. Don't operate from fear. Be daring. Look at what worked. Don't chase the market. DC has always had the best characters in publishing. Dark, intense, and thoughtful is the brand. Now, am I not wrong? Is that not the kind of approach that they gave to Zack Snyder at the start? Yes. Was, yeah. Was like that was that was a, a filmmaker with a vision and filmmaker you know, with a vision who mostly did um, music videos up until that point. Sure, and sure. Yeah. He was given free reign to do basically whatever he wanted for a very yeah. long time. Well, I suppose that was based. You could, you could. I, we're talking about. I'm sorry. I realised I brought the conversation back to Zack Snyder so quickly after we we juiced him to a pulp the in the last uh, in the last podcast. Um, but yeah, so I guess you could look at. He'd done like 300, and he'd done Watchmen. So they knew what he was going to do. Um, but it's that question of saying. I think he, what the key point he's missing is. You have to suffer someone who has a vision, but who has also carried that out in a way that you would find satisfactory. Because yeah. you can look back at, like, you know, Watchmen was a very good film, in my opinion, but it didn't do what a big studio would want, which is make significantly more money than it costs to a point where they can justify making more moves off the back of it. And I think probably the same was the case of 300. Because yeah. I think it needs that you need a filmmaker with a vision. If you can look at something like, Barbie that's just come out, which, you know, but and you look at something like Barbie where the lesson that they've learned off the back of that is, oh, we'll just do stuff based on toy IP. But the whole thing is that you you bring in like a very competent and capable filmmaker who has a very good vision for the thing and let them run with it. And I think it's a little bit reductive to say that that's exactly what would have fixed it. Um, and I think really what what David Ayer is saying is that that's what went wrong with Suicide Squad, which I think is is quite possibly the case. Like it's it's clearly not what he wanted. Um, but uh, but yeah, I don't know what your thoughts are on that. I don't think there was anything that was going to save Suicide Squad once the studio got their hands on it. Um, they did they did come out with the extended cut. It didn't fix any of the issues. Mm. Uh, I would like to see. What he his original vision was, but I yeah. doubt it's anything that uh, anything that's gonna that would that would change the the minds of people. You know, it's a it was a flawed film from the beginning, and mm. and studio the studio getting involved with it made it worse. But I don't think it was gonna. I don't think what they had originally was gonna be mind blowing. It's not like the 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 reboot of it, the Suicide Squad. 
you know, with uh, by James Gunn. You know, mm. he ha- he had a definite vision. It was much yeah. much more uh, comedic. It was much more uh, violent and bloody. Mm. It was very R rated, and I, I don't think uh, we would have got that with with the original Suicide Squad, no matter what what the director wanted. Yeah, I think that's I think that's fair. I think yeah, what that was clearly like a an overcourse correction from what they thought was wrong with like Batman versus Superman and all that kind of stuff. I think the closest you're going to see to an air cut is like that first trailer for Suicide Squad, which was to that song. I started a joke, something like that. It's a very it's a sad sounding, um, and that was all kind of spooky and, and weird. So I think that's the closest we're ever going to get to it. Yeah. Uh, and, and, but, and speaking about the DC. DC Extended Universe. Um, I did want to talk very briefly about Henry Cavill. Oh, well. And what's happening with him and Highlander. <laughs> oh, yes, absolutely. Uh, so we've got the news from Chad. Now, I'm going to butcher this surname. Uh, Chad Stelsky, who uh, directed... Better than I, I was going to say Stelsky. Stelsky. That sounds cool. <laughs> if, he's, if that's not how it's pronounced, you should definitely change it to that. Yeah. Um, so the director of the John Wick movies, most famously, um, and in 2021, uh, he said, oh, there's going to be a, a new Highlander movie. I'm going to be helming it. Henry Cavill's going to be starring on it, which I actually don't recall hearing about back in the day. Um, and like 2021, which doesn't seem like a long time ago in terms of like Henry Cavill career years, it seems like an absolute age ago because between that he's been back on witcher and then off he's been back in dc and then off again he says he's doing his warhammer show he's got he's been sherlock holmes i think the second time around as well he was sherlock holmes he's had a creepy ai magazine cover where his dong looks all weird uh and and now he's coming out with argyle uh either next year or the year after with uh, a severe buzz cut on it oh I literally thought you just meant that he was coming out in like Argyle sweaters. No, no, it's a some kind of spy thriller. Oh, nice. He, I believe he's called Argyle in it. It's a good name for him. I like the sound of that. Yeah, because I did like him in um, Man from Uncle. Even though that film has has its has its problems, it's a it was a that was an entertaining romp with with yeah. him as a spy. Yeah. Would you have him as a Would you have him as a Bond? Maybe. I'd put Henry Cavill in everything. <laughs> <laughs> Henry Cavill and Alexandra Daddario. Those are my two top picks for every single character in anything going forward. Wow. Imagine the Mrs. Doubtfire reboot we could make with those things. <laughs> <laughs> Not sad I wanted to hit. Um, but on the subject of uh, of Islander, so uh, what uh, Chad Stosky said was, uh, I'm just going to call him Chad because uh, we're, we're that close. It's easier to not keep mispronouncing his surname. Uh, he said... Uh, our story engages a lot of the same characters and stuff like that, but we've also brought in elements of all the TV shows, and we're trying to do a bit of a prequel, a setup to the gathering, so we have room to grow the property. Hmm. That really harkened me back to just how insanely massive the <laughs> the franchise of Highlander is. Like, I completely forgot that there were like the TV shows and just how many movies there were. Um, and it's interesting that he seems interested in keeping things very faithful and exploratory 
but in that kind of committing to that kind of core canon. But I would say nearly like, is it going to be the diehard Highlander fans that he's going to want to focus on with this? You know, if it's because he says it's still happening, Um, would it not be, I guess it may be easier for him to just throw a good chunk of all that stuff out and keep it, keep it simple. I would like for him to keep to the lore. Um, Oh dear. Uh, don't want a big departure. I love the first Highlander movie. I love the uh, the TV series. I love the animated series as well. I don't think I've. I definitely no. I haven't watched the live action TV series. I wasn't even familiar with the with the animated show. Oh, sorry, Siri just went a bit crazy there. <laughs> He's got some real opinions about Highlander, um, but I think like it would be a good excuse for me to um, to kind of go back and look at all that stuff if they said, right, if you're going to watch this Henry Cavill Highlander movie, you're going to want to watch all the movies and at least some of the TV shows. Yeah, but he, Chad is also talking about the fact that it's the start of a new franchise, really. You know, yeah. Um, when you think about the first Highlander movie, he... Which I do a lot. Everything was wrapped up, you know? They, they kill all the other Highlanders... All the other immortals were were killed. He became mm-hmm. the only one. Yeah, uh, that was great for wrapping it up in one movie. But when you want a franchise, it's a it's more of a it's a bigger journey that we would want we'd want to see there. And then there's going to be all the flashbacks to previous times, and there's there's a lot of room for what for for doing what um, I think Chad wants to do with this, which is a Highlander extended universe. Yeah, um, hopefully not going back to some planet, some uh, desert planet that the Highlanders are supposed to come from, like in the second movie. Have you seen the yeah. second movie? <laughs> I have, yes, and I remember that part in the and they're all in the ship and Sean Connery's there and yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, I would nearly want that. <laughs> I would nearly, I would nearly want to see what they could do with that yeah. if they went in that direction, but like. It, it, it does make me wonder if that's if that could kind of that will probably do it and do it a disservice in the end if they're trying to like make this concept which kind of works just as you say like the first movie just like works in a tight little package um because you know there could be only one gets to the end and then there's one mm. um, but then you have to kind of come up with convoluted reasons as to why it's as to why it keeps happening um, kind of similar with the way I felt with the the new Mortal Kombat movie that they made a year or so back, where it was the first movie and there wasn't actually like a Mortal Kombat tournament in it because they wanted to leave room for a sequel in which the actual Mortal Kombat tournament happened. Um, and it's I guess it's that it's that kind of sequel culture that you you can't really fight against with these kinds of brands because the whole idea is that they're familiar to people, like the IP is recognisable, so then you have you have more of a justification to kind of make a load of sequels. Yeah, and, and talk about justifications, you know, um, we're, we're hearing a lot from Disney Plus about cancellations. We've already had cancellations from Warner Brothers last year with Batgirl um, not picking up uh, other directors' um, contracts for different things. And now Disney is following suit and they're doing the same thing. Something that's been completely filmed, despite it with Chronicles, and we're, it's just not coming to Disney Plus. No, and I'll tell you what, it was it was Spider-Work Chronicles and it was also Nautilus. Nautilus was one that I was kind of kind of keen to see. Like it was this idea of a, a prequel for Captain Nemo. Mm-hmm. 
and I was always a big fan of uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, like the old the comics and the and the Sean Connery film. I will say I do enjoy it. It was a banger. Um, it was banger. It was an absolute banger. Um, and the fact that they've it's this very kind of spooky thing where they've just said, "Yeah, we made it, but we're not gonna we're not gonna share it with you." And it the kind of I suppose the mystery kind of gets sucked out of it when you realize that they're they're trying to cut three billion dollars in co- in content, um, which is just mean the stuff's just going to disappear. Yeah, and it kind of it kind of makes the people kind of nervous because I think we made that move for streaming and we didn't really think about what it was going to mean if we just couldn't get our like mitts. Uh, on this stuff physically um but we so then already there's... lost stuff uh crater which was only up for 48 days i believe yeah um stuff is disappearing off the service you know the, the eventually it's only going to be star wars and marvel on, on that service yeah that's true I, i'm sure they won't keep some of that star wars stuff they're not going to keep caravan and courage that's not going to stay on there surely <laughs> <laughs> It's not me. It's Bob Iger. I'm not making the call. They they don't have to spend any money on that. No, that's true. They, they got that free from from George Lucas when they bought the rights. But surely, when they do the 4K remaster, which they're which they're absolutely going to do. Look, I will watch it and I will enjoy it. I'm more of a I'm more of a Ewoks Battle for Endor guy, but that's that's neither here nor there. Um, but yeah, so this stuff is getting pulled off, and it's it's uh, it is a shame. Like we'll never know. If they're going to be any good, and we—I don't know if I really trust them to say, you know, this wasn't going to be any good anyway. It wasn't going to make any money because that's not always the case. These things can always take people by surprise. Yeah. Um, hopefully, they're being chopped around. We'll get them. We'll get them from another distributor or something like that. But uh, hopefully so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, and since we're talking about Warner Brothers and Disney, uh, I was going to say with the conversation we had last week, uh, I realised that I used the phrase "Dune Part Tune." Uh, when I was talking about this Jim yeah, Part 2. I ignored uh, yeah, you should have ignored it because I realized that I heard that from somebody else and I'm pretty sure it was a like a podcast or a radio show I was listening to where they said it and I didn't want to take credit for it because that is not the way I operate. That being said, I thought it was probably a good idea if I made up a new one which was uh, different and maybe maybe a little bit better. So obviously we know that... Well, first of all, I'll ask, do you, do you want to know what it is? Yes, please. Okay, perfect. Um, if you insist. Uh, so, you know how Denis Villeneuve is, is French-Canadian? Yeah. So, I think what it should be, you don't have a part two on it. You just re-spell Dune so that the first part is de, like French for two. Then you have any on the end. I don't know what you're thinking, Patrick. You're thinking, well, but that doesn't make any sense because they haven't had that in the first one. Well, all you need to do is go back to the first one and just underline the UN in the middle. And then it's one. <laughs> I like it. It's not what I was thinking. I, I thought you were going with a putin <laughs> angle there. Uh, for our listeners who don't know what putin is, it's uh, it's chips with gravy and cheese curds. And it's from Canada. French Canada. Because there's no Canada like French Canada. <laughs> what are cheese curds? Cheese curds. They're like uh, halfway between cheese and milk. <laughs> It's it's what you get. You know curds and whey? Little Miss Yes. Puppet? Yes. Yes. You don't have to call me names. Um, um, it, it's delicious. It is delicious. Okay. And so it's halfway between that's just melted cheese, isn't it? No, it's it's uh it's what you get on the way to cheese. <laughs> it's on the path to cheese. It's, but be honest it's wet me, cheese. None of these phrases are selling. 
Look, <laughs> when we open our, our poutine restaurant in... <laughs> in oh, what, poutine on the Ritz? <laughs> oh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> but, yeah. Okay. okay. So, thank you for your correction there, yeah. for... Uh, owning up to stealing and plagiarism um, we don't want a plagiarism strike on her on us at the stage absolutely i did have another one uh it was going to be dune now with florence pune <laughs> yeah so uh <laughs> just just no um uh, but thank you thank you for for spending all week working on those i know you Hello. You're probably up until two, three o'clock in the morning thinking of those. Well, so much work. Yeah, yeah. Uh, last week we were also talking about the SAG and AFTRA um, strikes continuing, and now they're looking to extend that out into the video game industry. Yes. Which, from a personal point of view, I think that's that's a great idea. The level of crunch, the level of um, of uh, pressure that these that these studios are under is immense. It's it's staggering what they've delivered so far. Mm. And yeah, unionizing, unionizing and, but also getting the, uh, the voice actors, the recognition that they deserve. Yeah, absolutely. And like, can, can you just, uh, clear this up for me? So this would be voice actors. Would it also be like mocap performers? Like, yes. um, Cameron Monaghan yes. in the Jedi film, the games. That, that's my understanding. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, that makes sense. To be honest, I think it. It. I guess the idea being that it puts them in a stronger position um, to win wage increases and the like. I think it is. You're right. Like it's. It's one of the benefits of this will be that it casts a lot of light on the fact that this isn't just one industry. It is part of a whole kind of ecosystem where it all kind of wraps into one horrendous little <laughs> storm cloud of people not getting the recognition or the pay that they deserve. Um, and I think if they can get maybe one of the other pieces of the puzzle is going to end up being like VFX studios. Like if that can, if they can wrap that in, because I guess with a lot of the stuff that's, there's stuff that's either already out, stuff that hasn't been made yet because of the strikes, and there's stuff that's already had like actors involved, but now it's in post-production. Yeah. But you know, if you get VFX studios involved, then suddenly the jig's kind of up, and you know, people can't do any of the things they want to do for the stuff that's already been made. Um, but no, absolutely, you're right. Like the the crunch there, especially on video game stuff, is just it's yeah. just ridiculous, and that's a good way in to kind of uh, shine a lot of light on that. I was I was just wondering for uh, a bit of uh, excitement and conflict in the podcast. Should I pretend that I am anti-strike? And no, I don't think we need to do okay. this. Okay. Yeah. That's fine. Um, note to self: Do we cut that little bit out, or do we leave it in? <laughs> my my vote is we're going to leave it in. Um, Lovely, but yeah. We'll, we'll move off that stuff. That's 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 just a little bit heavy. We can we can oh, go into, yeah. We can go with but we can what? Go ahead. Go oh, ahead. We I'm can go into ahead. some of the uh, lighter lighter uh, news points this week. Uh, we talked last week about the PlayStation Portal or portable. Yes. No portal, not portable, not the PSP. What was the PlayStation Poutine? Is that not what it's called? No, 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 no. That's, oh. just, that's just a PlayStation covered in gravy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the PlayStation Portal, as as I said uh, last week, is coming out, and it's the official release date is November the fifteenth, which great isn't that far away. Uh, I also pre-ordered my 
my skin for my Xbox Series X, the Starfield skin, which, oh. is, which is coming out in October, and mine is being shipped out the 20th of December, for some <laughs> reason. <laughs> so, it's so it's if you're in Ireland and you're, and you're going to pre-order that skin from, from Xbox, expect a delay. At this stage, I would expect it after Christmas. Is it because that's just the most popular one and there? Well, there's only three, so <laughs> it's 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 not really it's not really a race that I think any, okay. any, anyone's paying close attention to. And then following on from that, there was the announcement two days ago uh, that the Borderlands collection, Pandora oh. Box Edition, uh, has been released. And it's already up there. It's already up in the store. You can go and you can get the all the Borderlands games. Yep. all the DLC in one package. I'm a big fan of Borderlands games. I don't know if you've played them, but uh, I, I, do I, the I love the Borderlands games. They were a big one. They were one of the franchises where I just, I always keep on top of the new ones that are coming out because it is just, just a real, just epic mentalness of a game that I, I just always enjoy playing regardless of whether it's the, as you say, like the original games or the DLC, it's always a good time, and it's always a lot of fun going on. Did you play uh, Tiny Tina's Wonderland? I didn't play Tiny Tina's Wonderland, no, but that was only because it wasn't a shooty one, and it was more of a thinky-thinky one, which I don't tend to go in for. It's not a thinky-thinky one. It's a shooty, shooty one. Are you sure? Have I just completely miscalculated? Oh, I, I think you're you're thinking of the Telltale games, which are the um, yeah. like the graphic novel view, view way of playing the game. You know, you, you make choices, and those choices have consequences. No, Tiny Tina's Wonderland is basically you're playing a D&D style game, but then you turn into the characters and you're then it's just a normal Borderlands game and set in the fantasy realm. So I, I definitely recommend it. Well, oh, you can always okay. pick it up as part of this Pandora's collection. <laughs> is that part of it? Is that part of the... I believe so. If it's, if it's not, uh, I'll put a correction in next week's podcast, but I, I believe everything is in it. I've got the I've got the list up here now, so I can tell you. Uh, so we've got in the pack Borderlands, Borderlands 2, Borderlands the pre-sequel, which is basically Borderlands 3, Tales from the Borderlands, Borderlands 3, and New Tales from the Borderlands. No? no? Okay. Then you'll have to buy you'll have to buy uh, Tiny Team's One Land yourself. Okay. It's well worth it. It is well worth it. All right. All right. And speaking of being worth it, I do think I will be uh, pouncing on this. If they're, if they're updating them for the PS5 and, and Xbox, then I'm, I'm definitely going to be on top of this. Yeah. Yeah. And then another uh, piece of news that came out during the week. Well, not really a piece of news, but Nintendo had a direct about uh, Super Mario Wonder. The, oh, the yeah. next game in the Super Mario Brothers franchise where you get to turn into a, into an elephant. Not put an elephant suit on, but turn into an elephant. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I saw because the um, one of the little bits of of copy about it was um, oh you now have these wonder flowers and then they can make wonderfully weird stuff happen and then that was just above a picture of Mario as an elephant yeah. so I used my deductive reasoning to think oh well, it does it does that then I guess it, it turns them into an elephant uh, this is coming out around about the same time as Assassin's Creed Mirage and Spider-Man 2 so now oh. I have a, two games that I was really excited to play and now I'm now I, I have I have the hard choice, the Sophie's choice of I don't think that's right. <laughs> of uh I I'm now more excited for this Nintendo property 
and those other two games are, are already falling out of my 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 radar, you know. Really? Yeah. Even even Spider Man Two. Yeah. I'm just I'm just looking for something a little little easier, a little lighthearted to play. And uh not easier as in the game is easier, but I don't have to think about it as much. Um Well it's funny you Spider-Man say Spider Man one that, that broke my heart. Yeah. No spoilers in this in this episode, but uh for those of you who played it you know you know the beats that Oh, the the story broke your heart, not yeah, the not the, no, the self. Story, the story. Yeah. Okay, all right, all right, I got you. Yeah, but yeah. I say it's, it takes a big emotional commitment. I don't think that's I don't think that's an overstatement on it. Um, but I do think you mentioned there about it not being easier. But I think there is an interesting addition they have there is the um, the Nabbit and the Yoshi's characters you can play as who don't actually take damage. Correct. So they're good for like people coming fresh into it, where you can just not be so worried about Cooper's knocking the beef out of you so you can just uh, you can just play in a it almost like the story mode that you're getting in the likes of kind of more triple a games at the moment it's a nice kind of addition i think yeah nintendo have done this kind of thing before with uh super mario odyssey you had a setting where you couldn't die mm. you also had assisted mode where your your parent or your your significant other could uh could take <laughs> could take that the second remote and sort of help you with with the more trickier uh trickier platforming sections yeah so they've already started doing that kind of stuff it's it's good to see um and long may continue because uh anything that will get kids into playing games without that level of frustration that i think we all felt back in the nes and super nintendo days yeah um is a good thing especially when both of us are dads. We we want to get our daughters playing games in the future, and this kind of assisted mode really really helps. I think so. Yeah, it doesn't require to have that level of just like spending six hours every day, basically just developing a muscle memory to figure out how to get from one end of the level to the other without dying. I think it's. Uh, I think you're developing a more kind of emotionally well-rounded child. Yeah, yeah. Especially more than we are. I am a cube. <laughs> rather than well rounded. Uh and then lastly in the game gaming news cycle, the VP of writing leaves Rockstar. This is I know. Yeah. yeah. After after such a successful kind of unblemished career there for for so long, like working on as I rather understand it, this is Mike Unsworth, the uh, the fellow who's left. He was you know, he was um Working on, he did Red Dead Redemption, Red Dead Redemption Two, Grand Theft Auto Four and Five, Max Payne Three, and L.A. Noir. Like he was, he was there for all of their basically their greatest hits over the last kind of what 10, 15 years. Um, but uh, but yeah, he's heading off to heading off to I don't know what the greener pastures would be. But if any other video game company has snatched him up, I'd say they're going to have a, a great deal of success if they can crack that secret sauce that he's got. Yeah. Although, when you when you think about the last few games with no story DLC happening, um, it's it's a shame that someone's talent like his was being wasted. Mm. You know, although Red Dead Redemption Two had a fantastic storyline, I'm hoping GTA Six will have a fantastic storyline. I, I I'm sure he's had a lot of input into that, so uh, it'll, it'll be interesting to see. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
I don't really know much. I did like I, as you know, I, I didn't play Red Dead Redemption Two. But the only comments I've ever heard about Red Dead Redemption Two weren't about the story. Everyone just said, you know, you can you can see the horses' balls when you they, they when shrivel you up in the cold. Yes, that's that's the exact thing. That's the exact thing I hear. That hasn't pulled me into it, uh, but uh, oh, I, I, I've played it several times. Okay, well, the, you played it enough for the both of us then. Yeah. So good luck, Mike Unsworth, in your in your new endeavors. Yeah, and do you have any more news in the gaming sphere? Because uh, I've run out of stuff on my list here. <laughs> I've definitely run out of stuff, and we and we're going to talk about a couple of uh, video game related uh, movies, but we will uh, we will come to those in a second. So quickly, 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 because there hasn't been that many trailers out this week, but we do want to have a quick chat about some of them. And I believe, Sam, one that you're excited for, I'm not, but you are. You like you like your cars, you like your things going fast, is Ferrari. Okay, I will preface that by saying that I do not care about cars. <laughs> but thank you for trying to make me seem much cooler than I actually am. manly man, aren't you? Oh yeah, yeah me, yeah. So tell me I, can't think, I, was, I was literally trying to think of a funny thing I could say that what a manly man would say, but I could not think of a single one, which really goes this proves my point. Um, so Ferrari is coming out. So I'm more so excited about this because it's Michael Mann um, and uh, directing it, and then Adam Driver's in it being Italian, which I'm always a fan of saying. Uh, and the trailer was pretty good. Like they did this whole thing where it was. It was, didn't really have any sound, like people were doing loads of things, but it didn't have any sound. It was like this build up of like the, the engine revving up and all this kind of stuff. And it's him being like, Oh, you want to drive my cars? You better, you better win in my cars, uh, Sunny Boy, something like that. I would, you know, he says it better than I do. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, to be honest, like the whole thing about it being Ferrari, I'm not, I'm sure I'll be interested in when I watch it, when I find out what, it, what it's all about, but like the, I think the fact that it's Michael Mann and Adam Driver is the is the more interesting part for me. So I'm excited to see what they do with that one. See, unfortunately, Adam Driver is one of my turnoffs in movies. Um, I don't really mind him too much, but if I can avoid watching him, I will. Yeah. So, well, I, I think it's fair. Like you have a you have kind of a deep seated rivalry with him, but for that's for for personal reasons that we won't go into on this podcast. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, in a very similar vein, I think, uh, fast cars, hot women, Expendables Four. <laughs> Are we excited for this? Because this is this is another franchise that just seems to have, it, it didn't start great and quality wise, and it just has continued to deliver that low quality bar. Well, yeah, I think it's it's a film that kind of started as a novelty, and that it was you know all these old old school action stars coming back to do this thing um but it's it's kind of started taking itself maybe a smidge more seriously than it did um i don't know if that's working out for it like this this trailer for this one is basically saying like you wanted an r-rated you wanted an r-rated blood and guts expendables movie and we've heard you and we're gonna give it to you and it's all explosions and red hot chili peppers is playing and you're like oh man this is the coolest thing and megan fox is there and she's doing her thing where she wears a bra uh and jason statham interestingly gets top billing in the in the trailer so jason statham then sylvester stallone which i think is i'm trying to remember if in expendables 3 was it the same because 
I feel like after the first one, it was very much geared towards Jason Statham as being the the, the primary guy. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to bring up a poster here and see if I can see who's got top billing. Uh, no, it's it's Stallone in the in the third one. Okay, okay, I stand corrected. But still, uh, it's definitely not something we're going to go to the cinema to see. It's a guilty, guilty pleasure streaming at home scenario. Yeah, I know what you mean. Like, if it, there was sometimes you get surprises like this. So, like, I remember when Rambo: Last Blood came out, and I thought it was going to be terrible, and it was kind of not bad at all. Like, it was pretty good. Um, so maybe there's some little surprises, but but. Probably, yeah. probably not. Something that won't disappoint us, I think, is the new series of Star Trek Lower Decks, oh, which we got a new trailer for. Yeah, voyages in it, Quark's in it, or someone who looks like looks like Quark is in it. Well, Quark was in the last season as well, so I, I always laugh when he comes back. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, definitely my top tier of Star Trek at the moment. Mm. I will, I will. I've just finished the watch through of of. Um, the previous seasons in preparation mm. for this really looking forward to it the episode of star trek brave strange new worlds and you did it again brave new worlds strange new worlds where they they came back in time from from the uh, lower decks universe and and visited visited uh, the enterprise was uh, was fantastic it was, it was a lot of fun a lot of lot of a lot of a lot, lot of fun a lot of hijinks as i said before i really enjoy my star trek and yeah. um i just re- i just really really like like this series like the series um lower decks and it, w- it was really something that came out of nowhere for me i had no idea that this was coming and then it quickly became my favorite star trek thing yeah uh, the cast are fantastic in it the stories some of the storylines have been fantastic the, even the set pieces the 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 episodes that they do where it's uh it's on the holodeck and they're they're recreating a movie yeah the animation style on that is just fantastic where they're doing they're they're making fun of the jj abrams uh, lens flare they're they're making fun of the fact that they they fly around around the enterprise or the whatever spaceship they're on about 20 mm. times before they actually dock so you can get get a good view of what what the prop department has put together um, yeah, no, I really like it. So I'm really looking forward to that. And then another thing I'm really looking forward to, and I don't know if you you played the games, was uh, Five Nights at Freddy's. I did not play the games. Uh, I remember them coming out. I remember thinking about getting them, but then I was like, uh, no, I think I played Pokemon Gold again, <laughs> and I did, and it was great. But no, I missed these ones coming out the uh, the first time around, and I feel like. There's been talk of it being made into a movie for just the longest time, yeah. um, it and it's finally like first. with Willy's Wonderland. Yeah. And I, I think when this comes out uh, around Halloween, of course, spooky time, uh, we should definitely potentially like watch Five Nights at Freddy's and watch Willy's Wonderland and see like yeah. which one comes out on yeah. with their animatronic uh, scary creatures. Yeah. I think that would be a good comparison. Definitely looking forward to that. Uh, everyone, everyone, everyone I know who's played the Five Nights at Freddy's games love them. Um, I, I've enjoyed a lot of them. Not so much the VR stuff, spooky, spooky VR. No, thank you. But um, 
Yes, uh, I'm looking forward to finding out this phrase. For those of you who don't know, it's set in a, in a children's... Like a Chuck E. Cheese-style uh, uh, Or f- for those here in, in Ireland, Leisureplex, that kind of thing, <laughs> where uh, they have these animatronic characters and they've been possessed by the ghosts of children. I was, I was going to ask you, actually, is that... That's the that's the plot of the game, right? The fact that they've been possessed. Yes, as far as I okay. know, um, it's been it's been about ten years since I played the first ones, um, and then after that, I haven't really there's no, I haven't really cared too much about the plot. It's just a bit scarce, you know. Fair enough. Uh, it's one of those ones I play around Halloween, but the, uh, that that's that's the basic idea. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think I will. I'll definitely give a. I'm definitely excited about the movie. You know, I haven't watched the games. I feel like it's. If you hadn't told me that it was a movie based on the video game, I think it stands entirely on its own. I don't yeah. think it, it needs the. It needs the recognition of the brand at all. Something that we didn't get to talk about last week was Ahsoka. Um, yes, that is true. Series, the the continuation of the Star Wars uh, TV series on Disney Plus. Uh, I like it. Well, I definitely like it more after the third episode. Sam mm. has some stronger <laughs> opinions on on it, but um, it is very different. It's a for any of you who've watched Rebels or the Clone Wars cartoon series, uh, Soka was much more bubbly, much more animated. Uh, Rosario Dawson's uh, take on Ahsoka is very much a wise master uh, uh, someone who is reserved and long long quiet pauses and all that kind of stuff where um obviously it's 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 to create this air of mystery around her whereas i was kind of hoping that she would be a little bit more lighthearted than she is at the moment but sam you you have a real problem with with how the dialogue is is carrying it I'll tell you what, like my my initial theory about it was because these are all all these episodes have been written by uh, Dave Filoni, who obviously he did all the a lot of the creative work on the Rebels series, um, and he helped out with the writing of the Mandalorian as well. Um, but, but it really felt like they told him, right, Dave, we need the first two episodes for the premiere, and he was like, no worries, I'm going to write them up. And he came back and he said, right, here you are two 20-minute episodes for the first series of Ahsoka. They said, oh, no, we need it to be like a two-hour premiere. He was like, oh, okay. Well, I don't want to write any more, so maybe we could just, like, space out what they say. Um, And what you end up with is, you know, the first two episodes are very kind of action-light, but I guess that's because the series is kind of dependent on a lot of exposition for anyone who didn't watch rebels uh and didn't watch Clone wars really didn't really know who ahsoka was or who hera and sabine and and even like who thrawn is and and all this kind of stuff and i get that they need to go they're kind of very uh politely doing a lot of a lot of pretext and a lot of kind of building up who all these people are but it is painfully slow to watch like there are huge gaps between when people are saying things and the conversations don't really have any substance to them like they're not really saying a whole lot of anything to anyone and like that you're right with the with the third episode it did speed up and it got a bit more 
I got a bit more going, which was which was really good. But then there were I just have a couple of notes here for things that they said. Um, there was a, a moment where Hera's having a meeting with the Republic Senate Council about missions to go on. It doesn't go her way, and she goes out of the meeting, and a fellow turns to her and says, "Well, that went well." And I just got it completely took me out of this episode because there's the "well, that went well" guy who's somehow crossed over into the Star Wars universe after all these years. Yeah. And it was just such a... I feel like you could have taken two minutes and figured out a better, more Star Wars appropriate thing for him to say. And I think in like a, in a Rebels, that does maybe work because uh, people are just a bit cheekier and a bit, you know, a bit more lighthearted and it's more kind of kids-focused, so you can do that kind of stuff. Yeah. But it doesn't really fit in with, as you say, the more, you know, atmospheric... Uh, motif they're going for with this show and especially with um, Rosario Dawson's portrayal of Ahsoka, which I think you're right. I think she's going for more of a, a stoic, almost uh, or a, you know, mysterious, original kind of Luke Skywalker kind of vibe, but I feel like she's just very uncomfortable in her prosthetics. Yeah, She just doesn't really want to move much or say much, um, which I think is making it, making it tricky. Um, and also, there was, there's, yeah, there's just people uh, have weird reactions to things. So Hera tells Sabine and Ahsoka that, you know, they wanted to go on this mission, um, but, the, but she says, the Republic Senate Committee didn't approve the mission. And Sabine says, the Republic Senate Committee? What are you talking about? Yeah. Well, I think she's talking about a committee of From the Republic. Republic. <laughs> but, you know... Um, but the yeah, there are some there are some interesting choices there. I don't know. I'm what I'm hoping is you know it's maybe going to be like it is with Rebels, where there's sometimes a bit of filler, but then you get some really kind of some really decent stuff. And I think the not to spoil too much about the uh, the series for anyone who hasn't watched it, but like the um, the lightsaber fight that Ahsoka has in the third episode, I think is really good. Yeah. Um, I think the stuff that she's doing there is kind of stuff they haven't done before, which I think is where the real value of this show is going to be. Um, and I'm, am wondering about the, cause I think my, my, interestingly, my favorite character is, uh, Marok, who's one of the, uh, the bad dudes in this show who basically looks like one of the starting classes in dark souls. He's got a real kind of fluted yes. armor on him, which I am, I'm a big fan of. And, and I, sorry, go on. I do have to give a, a, a shout out though to, to Ray Stevenson and Ivana Sacco, who are playing the the Dark Jedi, not 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 the Sith, from what we can mm-hmm. we've heard, but yeah. the Dark uh, Jedi's Balin and Shin. They have very little to say, but yeah. when they are in a scene, they are stealing the show. Especially especially uh, Ivana Sacco Sacno in uh, a Shin that there's a dogfight in, in uh, some flyers and her intensity during mm. the entire scene where she very says very very little was what i thought was was quite excellent um i yeah. just wish ahsoka had that same level of intensity or went back to being a little bit goofier a little bit more fun you know yeah pick, pick, pick a lane and commit to it and really really go for it because because shin hati is very 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 good, and I would actually watch a spin-off of just those two and I, their history. 
I think I think you're right, and I think I would not mind at all if maybe there's whether it's episode five or six or what, where they have a bit more about those two characters yeah. and like give them more more to do. Um, and you're right about that kind of characterization of Ahsoka because the way I understood it was that she has gone for this gray Jedi path, which is neither neither Jedi nor Sith. It's really just more of a a, a more self identity of uh, of the way of being a Jedi. But she seems to be very much just like a jedi in this like she seems to have lost a lot of that luster um and i don't think that that on the timeline of it which i kind of a, a vague grasp of like i don't know if she's kind of old enough to have reached that level of being just tired um so it's it's i'm hoping that with you know now that she's uh, has her padawan uh, which i won't go into um maybe that will be a bit more i'll give her a bit more of a a fire in a, in a in a stomach maybe yeah. and but i'm hoping I, i'm hoping that we do see more more ray stevenson and their their lovely orange lightsabers they are a lovely a lovely deep blood orange i would say same lightsaber color i i have in a jedi survivor so oh very nice and, and there, there was an interview with dave filoni asking him about the orange lightsabers and he was uh he was saying that he was basing it on the sabers that they had in like the original trilogy that he had watched where because of the the lighting of it not reacting very well with the scene uh the lightsaber would see like darth vader's lightsaber would seem orange instead of red and he put it in to maybe show that maybe these guys aren't just you know straight laced sith they are they got something else going on and maybe they've maybe they're just troubled jedi more so than anything which i think is always a it's kind of a tried and tested approach to uh, the Dark Force users, but I think it's done well. It always works out nicely. Definitely, definitely. Great. Uh, so we're going to take a quick break. We'll, we're going to be coming back, and we have a very exciting topic after the break. Uh, we're going to be talking about video game to movie <laughs> adaptations, but very particular ones. Uh, ones that um, have their have must have their fans. But, they must uh, do. They must do, because otherwise, why would it be made? But uh, we'll, we'll have a quick chat about that after the break, and we'll see you then. Thank you. And we're back. Uh, thanks for sticking with us so long. In this final segment, we're just going to have a bit of a chat about um, video game to movie adaptations. But not the ones you you would think of. We're not talking about your Resident Evils. We're not talking about your your Tomb Raiders. We are going to talk about you, Ball. Or Bowl. Ball? I don't know how to pronounce his name. It's your- I The fact that you made it through the first name, right? Like, I couldn't do that. I'm pretty sure it's Uwe Ball. I am calling him Ubol. Okay, that's right. That makes sense for our, the title of our podcast this week. <laughs> and there, yes, in many ways, this is our. Oove Bowl, Super Bowl, or Oove Bowl, if you will. Excellent, excellent. Right off the top. Yeah. So rather than go through his whole his whole catalogue of movies, we thought we'd pick, yeah. we'd pick two and force the other person to watch that one. Sam, the, the, the masochist that he is, decided to watch both of them. Uh, I feel sorry for you. Uh, well, uh, you know, it was. I, I felt it was important to do that only because I these were my first bowl movies, so I've I've never seen any of them before, and I know he has so many video game adaptations. 
so I thought I'd give myself just as much exposure as possible in as small a period of time as possible. So the two films we're going to be talking about today is Blood Rain from 2005, which was the one I nominated for Sam. And in the name of, of the king, a dungeon siege tale from 2007. Right. Yeah. So, Sam, seeing as you decided to to watch both of them, how about how about you you give us a little bit of an introduction to Blood Rain? Just just what is it about? Well, Patrick, here's what you got to know about Blood Rain. You've got Rain, who is a lady who is a damn fear, which is like a vampire, but the result of a vampire breeding with a human. And it goes badly. And not not the way they describe it in the film. <laughs> and you have Damphir who has kind of a, it's kind of a blade situation, you know, all their strengths, none of their weaknesses, that yeah. kind of thing. Um, and the whole deal with this is that she has been captured. She's in this she's in this freak show, and then these folks from the from the Brimstone Society, which seems to be a society of monster hunters as far as i can tell from the film i tried not to look too much into like the the plot of the game because i wanted to just see what i could glean from watching the film itself yeah and what i got from the film itself is that the brimstone society is a monster hunting society that michael madsen is a part of <laughs> um and other than that it is basically them going up against ben kingsley who is playing ultimate vampire man in this and he is basically looking for rain because he wants her gone and he's got his army of thralls who he is using to just take over and destroy the brimstone society and reign supreme uh but things don't don't quite go his way so uh so we uh so i watched this one trying to go in as fresh as possible um because i wanted to see like you know does this film stand up on its own and then i'd look back and see you know does it does it adapt to the video game? Um, so my first my first note that I have is like it starts with a really old school like movie crawl opening where it's basically the names of the actors and it's going over like old school paintings of like vampiric creatures and demons and this kind of thing. And I wondered why they were doing that. And I think the reason was because this film has so many recognizable people in it. It's kind of bonkers. Like, you've got, um, who I said before, so you've got Ben Kingsley, um, and then you're seeing other names come up, and then you think, oh, I kind of know them. You're just like, Meatloaf's in this. Yeah. And then it's then something like, special appearance by Billy Zane? What does that even mean, a special appearance by Billy Zane? Yeah, and you appearance out. is... Well, this is the this is the thing. Like, you know, any any appearance is a special one with, with Billy Zane, uh, and then you've got Michael Madsen. You've got um, a good gentleman who I didn't know his name, but I know him from everything, which is uh, Udo Kier, who oh, is yes. also Blade, scary, as we said. Scary German man. Yes, yeah, he's uh, he's the vampire in Blade who um, Stephen Dorff um, brings out into the sunlight, and they burn him while they're wearing uh, motorcycle outfits. Yeah. So, you know, I, I have I have the understanding of of bowl movies where they're like schlocky and you know they're just kind of going for going for cheap thrills and this kind of stuff. This one was kind of 
kind of more dull than I was expecting. Yes. Like it's the you've got these whole this whole storyline of of Rain trying to find redemption for uh, her mother who was whose life was basically destroyed by Ben Kingsley. Um, but it it was you know, you know what I I think it was just a it was an okay kind of movie and I think the the real thrills of this movie come from like Meatloaf and Billy Zane doing just exactly what they need to do in these films and it's been it's just hamming it up full time like the wigs alone in this movie are just bonkers like you've got Meatloaf who has like pretty spectacular hair anyway he's just got this big like blonde bouffant wig and he's just in there in a bed and he's just surrounded by naked women he's dropping like blood on their norks it's real weird um i don't like that word i don't like it's a it's a it's a youtube appropriate term (laughs) that i'm going with um and there's this whole scene where uh where rain is in like she's taken into like a freak a traveling freak show and they bring her out and she's a fairly normal looking person but they say like look at her look at this monster she puts her hand in water and it's and it boils and burns and I, I feel like I, if I was in the audience, uh, well, maybe it's maybe it's boiling water. Maybe that's maybe that's why that's happening. Um, and they could drink like animal blood and stuff. Um, but she she finds out what she is. She finds out she's a damn fear, and she doesn't. She only wants to kill vampires. That's her whole that's her whole deal. Which I imagine is the the way she is in the game. Yeah. Um, and I did I did just want to make note of the of the other freaks in this freak show, which is bearded woman, classic. Um, the uh, Twin women pretending to be conjoined by wearing one long shirt that covers the two of them, uh, and a, a small boy wearing a uniform. I don't know what I don't know what is particularly freaks about him. I think the idea is that he is like a grown man who looks like a child, but I'm pretty sure it's just a job. Um, and speaking of uh, one of the names I didn't talk about was uh, Michelle Rodriguez, who is in this sort of in that she's you know she's she's putting in the she's putting in the hours, but like. It's kind of the stuff that we've seen from her in like Fast and Furious. It's it's not her going full pelt. Yeah, she's just she's just finding a kind of uh, action movie footing. And at one point in the film, she's just wearing like a pink jacket, um, like a like a suede modern day pink jacket. Um, and I thought, oh, they, maybe that's a mistake. And then there's another scene, and she's still wearing it. So I think that's just that's just going with the outfit. Yeah. Um, I yeah, also think we have to mention Christana Loken, who was the Terminator from Rise of the Machines, I believe. Yeah, absolutely. And she also plays a role in the other movie we're going to talk about in the Name of the King uh, as a elf tree person. Yes. Um, but yeah, so she's she's in both of those. She has a like she's 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 in a few of the of the bowl movies as as far as I can see. Like she's had a good uh, good run with those. Um, and then Billy Zane comes in. And he's just, he has like scenes where I can't tell if they're supposed to be funny. Like I find them really funny because he's telling this dude who works for him to like take a memo and he keeps like looking at the guy. He's making changes to the memo and stuff. I don't know why I did that, but but rushing with the quill. Um, And at the end, he's like, so what do you think? He goes, yeah, yeah, it's a a good memo master. And Billy's angel goes, oh, he's such a suck up. And then the scene ends. (laughs) And I thought that's, that's good old fashioned Zane banter. Um, and I think, because like, like when you start the film, you don't really know what's going on because you feel like there would have been like an opening crawl or something. Um, 
but that all the exposition position comes in a very tense tarot card reading scene where she's got the tarot reader has all of these cards and they are all just the characters in the film just like right here's ben kingsley here's you you're a damn fit here's where he is here's where he wants you to get <laughs> which kind of comes to very together very neatly which i appreciated um but i think yeah as my first as my first outing on a on a Weibull movie um i think it got kind of going when there was a when there was a it got to like an indiana jones style heist mm. you know where they were she was going in to get the the eye which uh, which was protected by a room that was filled with buzz saws and all this kind of stuff um but uh but yeah i think there was maybe like 20 minutes of this movie which was just people awkwardly picking up swords off the ground after sword fights and not quite knowing how to kind of uh elegantly yeah. kind of go down and pick one up um but yeah so that's my, that's my yeah. Th- th- this is a film that I I watched when it first came out. I don't know if I went to the cinema to watch. I doubt it, but uh, it was definitely it was definitely something I watched. Of all the Ubol films, Uve Bol, whatever his name is, this is definitely one of them. Um, it's yeah. It, I I remember coming out com- coming out and watching this. And being completely mystified about who this was really being made for, mm. um, and being so excited to see so many famous people in it, and then they all just ham it up, and that yeah. that is signature of his movies. You know, the, the he gets fantastic actors, people who we know can act well, yeah, to be in these in these films and just chew the scenery until there's nothing left. Um, yeah. or sometimes even just become, seeming to be completely disinterested in what they're doing like they I could def- have wandered in from another film <laughs> yeah I definitely got that from like Michael Madsen that he was just sort of there and I think you know when we talk about the next movie I think there's more more there of like people really kind of going for it but yeah with this one it's more more kind of tame and it's there's less uh, less super exciting stuff going on but as, I think as, a, as an introduction to that selection of films, I think it was, you know, it was a solid start. Yeah, yeah. Well, at least not alone in the dark, you know, which we're, we're not going to talk about today. <laughs> but I'm definitely going to watch. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, so you forced me to watch <laughs> In the Name of the King. We've we mentioned it a few times there. As you said, it does have um, Chris Loken in it as Allure from, but uh, quite a minor role. Jason Statham is the main character in this. Jason Statham makes this movie. Yeah. He is a farmer called Farmer because apparently your name defines your 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 role in life. And he is living in this fantasy world. It's Ray Liotta hamming it up as an evil wizard who is in control of Urukai looking Orcish Krogs. Um who apparently have never used weapons or armor or road horses or done anything before <laughs> now. He he's he's able to control them f- from from a basement in a castle somewhere. Yeah. I think it, I think it's interesting that like, yeah, so Jason Statham's name is Farmer. As far as I can tell, there are multiple farmers in this movie. Yes. But he, is- <laughs> he he has he is 
developed this philosophy that his name defines what he is. He has decided, I want to be a farmer, so my name is going to be Farmer. Yeah. Um, amazing. Uh, we have Ron Perlman in there. We have John Rhys-Davis, Claire Forlani. <laughs> yeah. And my personal favorite, Matthew Lillard. Oh, um, who, like, who has brought in the the manic energy that he had in the first Scream movie. Yes, um, it is absolutely that. But but layered on top of that, um, his character from She's All That, this self-absorbed, yes. self, uh, completely annoying character, but. Uh, Together, it, it, it. I don't want to say it works because it really doesn't. <laughs> no, um, but it, but it's it, it's interesting. But it, what the film is about is Ray Liotta. He's having sex with Lila Sabisky's character Marilla. That's the opening scene. Very disconcerting. I was not convinced that that was Ray Liotta because I was like, oh, there's this young dude who's uh who's seducing this lady. It's like, oh my god, it's Ray Liotta. I don't, I don't want to see that. Yeah. All right, he, but my goodness. It was very strange. Um, Burt Reynolds is the king. He, <laughs> Ray Liotta and Matthew Lillard, they are pl- plotting to overthrow his his uh, his kingdom and take it over. Or Although sometimes it's called an empire. I'm not really sure what it is. Uh, Matthew Lillard is always referencing um, em- empire law. Oh it's, it's yes, very, he is. Very, yeah. very confusing. But yeah, yeah. Uh, Jason Statham is married to uh, Claire Forlani. He has a little son. Their village gets attacked. Son dead, gone. He's out yeah. of there. You, but you, but you knew that was going to happen by the way he was describing to his mum, like, "Oh, I'm so glad that we're my dad's family. Yeah, like, he loves family, and I'm glad we're his family." I thought oh, this kid isn't going to last to the second act. Claire Forlani, she's been taken. Um, and Jason Statham is now setting out into the wilderness to 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 find her, to rescue her, and, and to avenge his, his uh, son's death. And with him, yeah. he has Ron Perlman and another guy who I can never remember the name of. Will Will Sanderson, who plays that that third guy, who is also in Blood Rain. Um, doesn't have a Wikipedia page, this guy, but he's, he's got a few roles, you know. He is, there he is. Yes, sorry, I'm just looking him up on IMDb, and yeah. I thought he was a dwarf from his IMDb uh, page, but he obviously isn't. <laughs> why, why is that? There, there's just, he, he reminds me of another dwarf, of, of an actual dwarf actor, and I will have to dig out that actor, and, and we'll, we, we can discuss that next week, but... Uh, He's, he is a tall man, as far as I know in real life, so that's fine. Uh, so, this film just... <laughs> it's insane. <laughs> I don't... The acting is terrible, to begin with. Once again, they're all just phoning it in. The only person who seems to be having any kind of fun with it is Ron Perlman. Uh, he seems, he's doing a different film, where he, he's obviously getting ready for Hellboy or something like that. And he's yeah, happy not to be in prosthetics. He's got he's got a vibe of like a guy who having a movie come out, 
and he bought a boat. Then the movie fell through and he was like, how am I going to pay for this boat? And then Bolt comes up to him and says, hey, you want to have like just some casual speaking parts and some action scenes in this movie? He's like, yeah, that sounds good to me. Uh, yeah, the, the the whole sexual relationship between Ray Liotta and Lily Sabisky is very disconcerting. He, there's a, a huge age difference there, especially yeah. when, like I think we all were introduced to her. What was that? Would that would that have been? Um, she was in Never Been Kissed. I know she was in a few she in, things. She was in Deep Impact. Deep Impact is probably where I know her most from. Yeah, and in all those things, she was very young. So seeing yeah. seeing her doing anything with Ray Liotta was was quite disturbing, especially because he is quite intense through the whole thing. He is. He is. He yeah. Maximum energy. He's sneaking into a room. He's appearing out of nowhere. It's very very disconcerting. Yeah, but she seems she seems kind of like intrigued by him, but it very quickly turns to just finding him very unpleasant. <laughs> yeah, from from the first scene that we see with them to the next time that we see them together, she has had a very different. She, she's had a very a big change of art about this man. She's 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 discovered something in her side inside herself that says no, this is wrong, and I'm not. I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah, I th- and I think to be fair, that is that is um, started by Ray Liotta having to speed up his plans because Matthew Lillard came in with what I can only describe as shaggy level elasticity of his face, saying that he will not wait a second longer for Burt Reynolds to be king, and he goes absolutely ape at him. <laughs> it, it, it's quite seen. Yeah, uh, things shall be. Was I can't remember the, the things shall be uh, escalated. Escalated, yes, things shall be escalated. Ray Liotta. Uh Actually, I think Ray Liotta was probably the only other. Ron Perlman was having fun with it. Everyone else mm. was calling it in. Ray Liotta thought this was an actual real job, and he he, he was putting everything he had into it. Yeah, you know? and there's the, there's a scene there where he like he's on a high tier and. Jason Statham's down below and he like does like a float down, but like the wires are just barely taken out and he's got like one arm's like slightly higher up and he's got one arm in and he's like not happy about being floated down. And, uh, but everything really centers around this unbelievable, uh, missing, I am a missing heir. I'm a, I'm a missing prince. Uh, yeah. It's, yeah, it, that that kind of trope. I'm not gonna. I think you 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 all can probably uh, guess who I'm talking about. But I, for those of you who want to watch this, and not be spoiled. I'm not gonna. <laughs> I'm not gonna reveal it. But it the, this whole um, using very very tired tropes from from other stories, other films. It, it, it's just another nail in the coffin for why it's not a good movie. Uh, although I will say it has multiple sequels, it has a huge fa- fan base of people who not just think it's a bad movie that that's so bad it's good, but actually mm. quite enjoy it. And I would I, I would like to find one of those people. I'd sit down with them and I'd like to go, what's what's wrong with you? What happened to you when you were young? <laughs> well, I tell you, I'll tell you what. I will say this: like I watched the movies basically back to back. So I started off with Blood Rain, then I watched In the Name of the King. And I will say that In the Name of the King is hugely uh, a huge improvement. Oh yes, to Blood Rain. And you just, I think it's just 
it's just a higher energy and you do get to that point in the in in the name of the king we've got like that helm's deep style battle going on and it actually doesn't look too bad you're not really being taken out of it too much by weird compositing or like terrible acting you know you get to that point it's like oh yeah this is actually this is actually kind of enjoyable and you wonder if could this story have become something something good and something kind of faithful to the video game but then i got taken out of it by the fact that i don't seem to see one dungeon in this dungeon siege <laughs> tale i mean they go to the um they go to radiota's base of operation like we're, we're switching between characters names and actors names but i'm sure it's fine like we go to radiota's layer at the end where he's growing these krugs and there where all the people that he's brought into slavery are being kept and i, I was looking at it like is that a dungeon it's it's kind of underground, I guess, and people are that prisoner there, I guess. I, I sort of took it that uh, anywhere that Ray Liotta was, it was a dungeon. That was a dungeon, and that was the dungeon that had to be sieged. <laughs> it's, the, it's a mind dungeon, really, yeah. of anything. And, like, I think Jason Statham's biggest contribution to this movie is, like, his... You, you, I, you, it's not until you watch, like, go back to movies like Transport when you realise how fast he is. Like his his sword fighting, when you compare, especially when you compare it to like Blood Rain, which is very slow, and you basically got two sound effects. One is sword on sword, which is kind of like a clang, and one is sword on bow staff, which sounds like someone stacking a pot on top of another pot, like kind of a conk. Um, and it's all kind of very slow and not great. But then this, like, it's all stay from like speeding the whole thing up. He's yeah. doing big duck and weaves and flips and all this kind of stuff. It's it's just very strange how we've already said about the fact that there's so many famous people in these movies. Yeah. Jason Satan was re- really riding high. He he'd been in the transporter. He'd been in the Italian job. Uh, he'd done. He must have done Lockstock by he'd done Lockstock, oh, Lockstock and Stock by that yes, point, of course. But then. In in the middle of all those, he does pick some strange films like Ghosts of Mars, John Carpenter's Ghosts of Mars. Again, again with Matthew Lillard. No, yeah. not, no, sorry. No. I'm thinking of 13 Ghosts. I'm thinking of 13 Ghosts. 13 Ghosts. 13 Ghosts is actually a fantastic movie, and we will be talking oh, yeah. about that in ex- October when we're doing our top top 20 Halloween movies. That's right, top 20. Oh. Uh, but yeah, he he just he just finished Crank. He he was set up to do a load of stuff and I really like him as an actor top tier for me spy you know he was fantastic in that but just seeing him in this he he does he his action is definitely the best within it he he seems to know what he's doing yeah he's full control of his body everyone else is just sort of like oh I'm sort of I have this big foam sword and I'm going to weave it around but he seems he, he's committing to it. Yeah, absolutely. And there was there was one moment where they're trying to cross a bridge, but the bridge has been destroyed, and there's like a big like oh, river going underneath. <laughs> and I thought because Jason Statham in a previous life was an Olympic diver, and I thought, oh my god, they figured out a way to bring him in as in his diving capabilities. Was this part of his contract? He'd only come in if there was a diving shot. Uh, but no, he just gets a rope and. Uh, yeah, and it's himself across. Yeah, it's um, it's the other two guys who go into the water. Unfortunately, Robin yeah, Robin and uh, in a real in a real two Stooges style. Uh. Yeah. Uh, very much. Uh, yeah, it was it was funny seeing Ron Perlman being uh, 
the comic relief at, at, at times in this, you know? Yeah, it's, yeah, absolutely. He's it's an it's an interesting shade for him to take, but he he does it he does it very well, I think. Yeah, he does. Yeah, without being super imposing in it as well. He he was he was very much a father figure within it. Uh, even though I I don't think there's much between Jason Statham and Ron Perlman in years, <laughs> you know. I mean, in height for sure, but no, not in not in years, no. probably less. But yeah, if if I was to recommend to people which of these movies to watch it would definitely be uh, in the name of the king but I'm not recommending that anyone watches either one unless you have a deep seated desire to see terrible 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 ending I will say I will go the opposite way I would say watch both of these movies do what I did watch Blood Rain first and just be really just really let down um, and then watch in the name of the king and it will just you need something that bad to then watch in the name of the king and say man this thing is fantastic and that's how you need to watch them and i'm also wondering now have we watched the the theatrical cut or the unrated director's cut i have no idea for the oh. blood rain one i watched whatever was on amazon prime <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll i'll have a look because um yeah, there's definitely a director's cut. I would Which say I'm sure ties the whole thing together. You know. Oh yeah, it fills in all those gaps. I mean, the one I watched of Blood Rain had uh, a fairly odd sex scene, like halfway through. <laughs> I don't know if that means it's part of the the X-rated cut. No, um, sorry, sorry, the director's cut is of In the Name of the King. Oh man, I didn't realize there was a director's cut. A hundred percent, I will be watching this. <laughs> I am hoping. I'm. I'm just going to have a quick check here, while yeah. while I have it open. It, while you're while you're doing that, I will say that I checked Jason Statham's age. He is 56 at the moment, and Ron Perlman is 73. So there is 17 years between them. So you know, Ron Perlman could have had him. Uh, yeah. When he, when he was a young teenage man. Um, no, but, we, uh, did, we did not watch the director's cut. Okay. All right. That, I will, that's. I will have to hunt that down. Please tell me the director's cut is like four hours long. It's it, that is a hundred percent what I need in my life right now. Um, in terms of the budget for these two movies, like you really, you really can tell that, like you know, In the Name of the King had a much bigger budget. But it was, you know, Blood Rain was twenty five million, and In the Name of the King was like sixty million. And you do, I think, you kind of see them stretch that as much as possible on screen. Yeah, like I, you know, I, I think maybe In the Name of the King, there's a lot more going on, like the locations are much more diverse like i'm pretty sure blood rain is just one street corner that they use several times uh and one interior but um but it, yeah you can you can see how it's kind of but oh, both of them made just basically no money yeah, <laughs> yeah. and uh we could definitely do an entire ca- podcast about u-bowl uve bowl um where like Germany seen the German government seems to be funding a lot of what he's doing. Mm. Oh yeah, there was the whole there was the whole tax loop that he got when he when he made movies, but then they closed that and he promptly retired <laughs> a few years afterwards. But it, it'd be interesting to, to to get into those a bit bit more in the future. Well, I think we can we can definitely uh, take a couple more. I mean, well, we have a couple of options. We can either continue on with the two franchises that we have here the blood raid and then the king who both have uh, at least another two movies after them or we go 
just into something else completely different. Do we go with his Darfur movie about the crisis in Darfur? Or do we go with, you know, Blood Rain, the Third Reich? No, I'm not watching another Blood Rain movie. Um, okay. I think for our next viewing, and it doesn't have to be soon, I think we should be postal. <laughs> Okay, yeah, well, I guess we should. It's worth sticking with like the, the video game movies for sure. Yeah, we could do Postal, we could do uh, Alone in the Dark, is another one that he's done. Um, and just a slew of of other video game movies, yeah. Um, but uh, we'll, we'll space we'll space them out. You won't be hearing about, about him every week from us, uh, listeners. Yeah, oh, yeah. We, should, we should stress that our podcast is not just <laughs> movies because i really don't think we could do that until we do figure out how to pronounce his name exactly exactly yeah and we don't want him coming after us either because no, no. that guy takes people to task brilliant um thanks for thanks for that it, it was an interesting um watch i i just uh <laughs> i can't believe i've watched these movies again after watching them years ago and saying they, these are terrible. I have no interest in these movies ever again. But and I'm, and I'm thanks pretty, for bringing them to my attention again. Well, I'm pretty sure that started as a because not to not to put too much of a peek behind the curtain that we were having the conversation of oh maybe we could look at some movies and and you I think as a joke you messaged me and said oh we could do like Uwe Boll films again another example of when we can't tell sarcasm when one of us messages <laughs> the other and I thought oh that's great we'll do those and then. The reality of the situation crushed you underneath its weight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we'll stay away from uh, away from movies for uh, for a little while, I think. Brilliant. Cool. Uh, so we're we're coming to the end of the podcast now. Um, thanks to all all the listeners who stuck with us. Uh, there was a bit of rambling in there. We'll ho- hopefully hopefully we'll get all that in post, but probably not. Um, Sam, are you still reading Dwarves, or have you finished that yet? Oh, The Fate of the Dwarfs. Uh, no, I finished that uh, just after we did our last podcast. So that is the fourth book in the Dwarf series that I've read. So I have another one on my shelf left to go, but I haven't started that yet. I have started uh, Bone Ships by R.J. Barker, which is the uh, first book of the Tide Child trilogy. Uh, because I was looking for something, I was looking for something seafaring, okay. fantasy fair, and it's like... It's a world where ships are made out of the bones of sea dragons and stuff. So I'm, I'm I haven't looked into it too much because I want to go in fresh. But I am just starting that one and very excited to continue on. Yeah, I, I just finished the Justice of Kings, and today I'll be starting Upgrade by Blake Crouch. Uh, Blake Crouch has written a good few books. I have them here. Um, most people will know him from the TV series Wayward Pines. He wrote he wrote those books at that TV series. Okay. So uh, I'm looking forward to this. It's about a man whose genetics have been altered. He's now like the next evolution. But it, the plan is the the people who did this to him they plan to do this to the rest of the world, and he's trying to stop it. So I'm 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 looking forward to it. So that's not in any way connected with the Lee Wano movie upgrade. No, no, the one with the chip in the neck. No. Yeah, that was a fantastic movie. Absolutely, it was a fantastic movie. Let's do another hour on that. From all of us here at Balrogs and Blasters, thank you for listening. Goodbye. <laughs>